Hey, and welcome to the Boise Coffee Podcast. I'm your host, Colin Mansfield. And today I have a pretty special episode. Um, I'm here sitting with my beautiful wife, Hannah, and my parents, Dennis and Susan. And a little bit different today, instead of being real topical or uh, talking about coffee in a, in a real specific sense, uh, we're just going to have a conversation. And uh, of course, I love my parents and my wife, but they also love coffee and don't like coffee. So you'll see about that. But um, I just wanted to, to talk to them because in a lot of ways, I, I am who I am because of, uh, because of them. And so I like coffee and I thought it'd be cool to get their perspective on coffee. So we'll just go around the room here a little bit and I'll let each of them introduce themselves. And then, um, yeah, we'll just, whatever, we'll make it a discussion. So babe, you want to go first? Yeah. Hi, I'm Hannah. I'm from Southern California. Um, and I've been drinking coffee since high school, which really isn't that long cause I'm not that old, but <laughs> I really enjoy it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, dad. Yeah. Uh, I'm Dennis Mansfield and I've not been drinking uh, coffee since high school, but I've been <laughs> smelling it and loving it and grew up in a coffee uh, appreciative family and married uh, the joy of my life many moons ago, who also is a coffee fan. And I am Susan, and I grew up in Southern California, and I love coffee. <laughs> yes. Mm. So I actually, I figure we'll just. That's where I wanted to start, Mom, was with you because in a lot of ways, you're the reason I grew up with coffee. And so I w- I'm curious actually about you when you grew up. Did you grow up, were your parents, did your parents love coffee or was it something that you, like, um, as you grew up in college or in high school or whatever, that you started drinking it? How did that? So, how coffee came about in my life is my grandparents, actually. My grandparents were coffee drinkers. And we would go to Grandma's house, and Grandma always had a percolator on. (laughs) Percolator, I guess that's how you say it. And um, so you'd walk into Grandma's house, and the smell of coffee would Mm. fill her house, and she was always baking something as well. And so when I was in high school, I, you know, of course, was watching my weight, as every girl does. (laughs) And coffee is calorie-free, and especially if you drink it, with no cream. So I thought if I'm going to drink coffee, which started at grandma's, then I'm going to drink it black. And so that's how it started. My parents were coffee drinkers, but they were more weekend coffee drinkers or at work coffee drinkers. And uh, my dad now drinks coffee every morning, but not the good coffee. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So would you say that uh, you enjoyed drinking? Like you, you mentioned your grandma, um, I guess my great grandma. Uh, did you like that coffee or was it more just the smell and the ambiance that made you like, oh, yeah, coffee's a, a good thing? I, I liked it. Um, you know, I, I think coffee is kind of something you acquire a taste mm. for, but I don't ever remember taking a sip of it and thinking, oh, this is terrible. I yeah. liked it. I liked the taste of it. And, um, yeah, it was just, you know, a good, at that time, that was the best you could get. Yeah. And, you know, I'm sure it was Folgers or something, you know, but it was made in a percolator. And so it perked up the top and tasted yeah. great. So, okay. So fast forward. I remember when I was growing up, 
um, in the house. You always, it seemed like you always had a, a cup or a pot of coffee brewing. Um, is that true? Did you drink a lot of coffee or am I just like over exaggerating that in my I, own head? <laughs> well, I definitely drank it every morning. I still do. And I had a, a drip pot, a, um, you know, just a normal. Yeah. yeah. A, but I always, at first I actually drank drip coffee. Mm-hmm. And so I had a drip looks very much like the pour overs now where it sat on a carafe and mm-hmm. there was a plastic, um, funnel that oh, went yeah. down. And so I, that's what I drank first. And then, um, you know, I went to a automatic drip mm-hmm. and that's what I had for years until just recently when that broke, the craft broke. And so yeah, I so switched it up a little bit. I was going to ask, is that, did you ditch it? You ditched it because it broke, not because you wanted to, uh-huh. you just, you I, used it till it died pretty much. Pretty much. Okay. And so now, you know, it's a French press, but, um, so I drank it every morning and then sometimes in the afternoon I'd make a pot kind of like we do now. Yeah. You know? But I didn't do it every day because I knew drinking coffee all day just wasn't really the best for me. Yeah. Yeah, because I, I remember uh, for a while you would do you do coffee and then you do like hot water. If you wanted another cup, instead of like going for another cup of coffee, you'd just do some hot water that way. You still had something warm, but it wasn't you didn't get all that caffeine and everything. Exactly. Okay. Okay. How about decaf? I do not really like decaf. I will drink it for the ambiance experience in the evening sometimes because coffee will keep me awake. It didn't used to when I was young, yeah. but now if I drink it too late in the day, it will keep me up and I'll just toss <clears throat> and turn all night. So I have to be careful. So I will drink decaf, but I don't really like it. Yeah. The like taste. The taste. And yeah, it just, it's like if you're going to drink coffee, why would you drink decaf but yeah. then again at night <laughs> I, I will do, do it sometimes you know <laughs> so everybody else is drinking coffee and it's like oh I want a cup then I will go ahead and have decaf yeah okay okay dad the hater oh the coffee hater <laughs> I'm a lover not a hater I, I, I don't know you know growing up in a family like I did with dad and mom your grandma and your grandpa, uh, grandma and grandpa, they just always loved coffee. Mm-hmm. And so that was the sort of 1950s, 1960s, you know, coffee and cigarettes. Yeah. Could life be any better? <laughs> you know, sort of thing. And, uh, and, and I remember, uh, because I grew up in a military family, as you know, and traveled all over the world. And um, coffee and cocktail hours were just part of the military dependent life. Mm-hmm. We'd see mom and dad go off to events or, you know, so on. And of the seven brothers and sisters that I have, I think every one of them drinks coffee, if I'm not mistaken. I think Gary does. My older brother may not, but the rest all do. And I was always fascinated by watching the relationships of people with coffee. Mm-hmm. It was more like I was a sort of junior social scientist or something watching people and it wasn't that I didn't like the taste I just didn't taste the taste because it always seemed like it was an adult beverage yeah and I saw myself as a kid so you know while you're at it fix me a highball yeah exactly sweetheart you have to study for your second grade exam you know (laughs) so I just never really uh pursued it then you know the hormones kick in and 
the perfumes take over the car fumes and everything else. And I remember dating young ladies who were all like me who didn't drink coffee. Mm-hmm. Ah, but in college, I met this adult, beautiful, uh, creative, adventurous young lady, your mother, ah. who had coffee. And I remember just thinking, this is kind of cool. This is kind of adult. You know, I was in college. and Yeah. So I would just, even to today, I cannot smell coffee without smiling. Mm-hmm. I can't uh, go to a coffee shop with my bride without just going, this is so cool. Though I'm not a drinker. I feel like a Canadian citizen during an American election season. <laughs> you know? <laughs> this is fascinating. Well, maybe not this year. But yeah. anyway, <laughs> this is amazing and weird, but... The smells were just phenomenal. So that that's how I sort of done it. And, and I uh, I love the fact that early on you fell in love with coffee. Yeah, so I, I was going to ask about that. So when you were running for office, um, I, I think we've talked about this before, but I have a distinct memory of um, going to speeches with you. And what? how old was I at that time? Oh, you were in second grade, yeah, I, was, I think. So how old is that? Seven? Seven, seven yeah. yeah. Um, and I just remember sitting at the at the tables, you know, the dinner tables, and there'd be the governor would be making a speech, or some of the other candidates would be making speeches, or you'd be making a speech. Mm-hmm. Be sitting at the table with a bunch of adults. Nobody who takes our seven year old kid to political speeches, <laughs> but I was like the only kid there. And then, uh, of course, at these dinners, they'd have the food, and then they'd have the dessert, and then they'd always have coffee as well. And I have distinct memories of. Of just sort of trying it out mm-hmm. kind of thing. Like, yeah, yeah, I'll have some, you know. And then I'd <laughs> experiment. Yeah, I'd experiment the sugar and the powdered creamer and mix it up and figure out what I liked mm-hmm. and whatever. And I, I think I probably used a lot of sugar. But, <laughs> but um, I just remember that's sort of my first, outside of growing up with mom drinking coffee out of, a, out of the coffee pot, that's my first memory of myself liking coffee or at least liking the experience or I don't know if I if it was so much like wow this tastes great but it yeah. was more like this is what like you said this is what the adults are doing yes. this is what the the community the culture is around coffee and or around I, I guess it was probably more around dinner but certainly coffee plays a, a role in that there's something about having it with dinner or excuse me with dessert sure um well, I have, this, so I, I have this vivid memory of you at that time. Okay, yeah. And, you know, this was many, many years ago, and I was running for United States Congress. And in the process of that, we were at a, we were at a dinner. We were actually on the dais. Okay. And, um, and the governor was seated to my left, and United States senators to my right, and you were right next to me. Mm-hmm. So here you are. I mean, how tall were you at age seven, you know? Four foot nothing. Yeah. <laughs> Far less than the six foot three or four you are now. Yeah. And I remember that there was someone in the audience sort of, you know, doing the microphone and mm-hmm. introducing the people. And, you know, we have so Mr. VIP over here. And, well... The uh, the people, the candidates, and so forth would, would introduce their family, their wife, or whoever. Mm-hmm. And you know, mom wasn't with us on that particular trip. And and when they asked me to introduce my family, of course, I introduced my seven year old son, who was sitting on the dais, drinking his coffee, <laughs> and looking up and smiling at everyone and waving, you know, like 
it's good to see you all here for us. And it was just so cool. I mean, I just loved it because it was it was the community mm-hmm. and the culture of acceptance. Mm-hmm. And I loved that. You know, I loved it. Yeah. You know, so what what was going through your head letting me drink coffee, though? That's what I want to know. It was either that or the highballs. Yeah. And I'd get arrested if she started I, drinking the highballs. I do remember. And I don't know if you had it at every single dinner you went with Dad, but I can remember you, you know, just, can't I just have a little? And, you know, it would be like, and it might have even been decaf, and you just didn't even know. You yeah. Know, but, and just a little bit, and I don't know. Who knows? Who knows how much you really had? Yeah. It may seem well, like you had it every night, every time, and it probably really wasn't very good. Yeah, it's two or three times or something. But well, it might have been. But point I, your memory, though. But I do remember thinking, uh, and I don't know, you might have been in you know third or fourth grade, but I remember th- you saying, well, this isn't very good mm-hmm. about some particular, and I thought, okay, what third or fourth grader has a palate for coffee? <laughs> You know, like probably just didn't like how bitter it was. Honestly, not enough sugar. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It, it that, but I think it was also just like a like a blend that you didn't like. I don't know. And yeah. and I remember thinking no, because I'm not that a, coffee can be super nasty. Can it really? <laughs> um, and, and that may have given you your ability to discern quickly. I think. Yeah, I think part of it is. I mean, not just for me, for anyone, though, sure, I sure. think is just knowing what you don't like. Yeah. It's a lot easier to say, oh, th- that's gross than it is to differentiate, oh, this origin or this, yeah. you know, yeah. whatever. It's it's a lot easier to be like, oh, that's bitter. Like, that's gross. Yeah. But, you know, and different people. And sometimes it's burnt, you know, when it comes to you at the table. It's been sitting in the pot a long time. It's, sure. And when you're a coffee drinker, you can taste all those things. Mm. But even when you're not really a coffee drinker, you can taste the more bitterness of it. Yeah. You know, and know that it just doesn't taste good. You right. don't know why it doesn't taste good. You just know mm. it doesn't taste good. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, Hannah. Mm-hmm. Move on to you next. So, um, obviously, you did not grow up in my family. But you grew up in your family, and I know your mom loves coffee. Your dad doesn't really drink coffee. Just like your parents. Just like my parents. Um, but you also have had some experience. You, you went to school in Seattle, and you've done some other things. So at what point did you start drinking coffee, and where does that fit in with your family? Um, I actually started drinking coffee because my brother. My mom had like a love-hate thing with coffee. Sometimes she would just drink it for a couple of years and then she'd give it up oh yeah drink it and then she'd give it up but my brother started drinking in middle school because it calmed him down and so john was always drinking coffee and so when i got into high school and i'd be like following him around because it's my big brother he he would take me to starbucks with him Mm -hmm. and john would get like actual coffee and i'd get my sweet frappuccino (laughs) i was like 14 that's what you do right yeah that's what you do and slowly adding more and more coffee into my drinks and less and less sugar. Um, by the time I got up to Seattle, I really liked lattes. I'm still not really a black coffee drinker. Mm-hmm. but um, You'll do it, though. You, I mean, you're still pretty adventurous with that. Yeah, well, I mean, especially lighter roasts that yeah. I can get a lot of flavors from, things that haven't been roasted double or whatever, like yeah, so that they taste dark. like charcoal. Um, I enjoy And Seattle was... 
an amazing experience because there's a million and one good coffee shops. Yeah. And nobody goes to Starbucks unless they need something quick, even though that's where it's from. Yeah. Because there's so many good little ones, and all of them thrive because... I mean, there's a reason Seattle's the cap- coffee capital of the world. Yeah. Boise's next, though. I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So do you, do you feel like uh, while you're in Seattle, there was some um, intrinsic, like almost, almost like the, there was a cultural knowledge about coffee that you were like taking part in? Or was it something that you felt like you were an outsider in at first? No, because I actually don't think a lot of people in Seattle know a lot about coffee. Okay. They just all really enjoy coffee. That's People fair. at yeah. coffee shops really, really mm. know their coffee. Roasters really, really know their coffee. But the average consumer knows as much as you or I. Yeah. Well, maybe not you. You know <laughs> a lot, but... Everybody just enjoys that culture up there. I mean, it's gray and dreary mm-hmm. months out of the year, and coffee is warm and cozy and the coffee shops are a nice respite from the dreary weather Mm -hmm. okay Mm -hmm. so how do you guys feel about that as in terms of growing up in california do you think there was some sort of um like do you think the baby boomers that that's kind of where the coffee like you mentioned dad um for your dad for my grandpa uh, the military aspect. Do you think that's sort of that bore out in your guys' lives? That's how coffee, or was it a was it a cultural thing from where you were from? Do you think California had any sort of? Well, I think it's kind of both. Um, certainly, the morning coffee. You know, just having a cup of coffee. You know, at work. You know, people get together and. There's a pot of coffee on at work, you know, and that's kind of a place where people gather and talk. Yeah. Uh, but then also I can remember in high school and in college, too, and even though we didn't have coffee shops as we have them now, we, we did have coffee shops, and they called them coffee shops, but they were more like cafes. Okay. That you would have coffee. More cafes. food and that More kind of stuff. More food, but always coffee in the name was a, let's yeah. go to a coffee shop. Yeah. You know? Interesting. And um, a lot of times in the evening you would go and you would get a cup of coffee. And so it was cultural even back then. It just looked a little different than it does now. Yeah. So let me ask you, when do you think, because the rest of the world doesn't really do coffee the same way the U.S. does. They do kind of, but... There's a lot of differences. I think places like Starbucks had the most, like you were saying, Hannah, had the most um, influence, even though they might not be the best. They had the most influence, I think. When did you guys start seeing things like lattes and these oh. those sorts of drinks instead of just like a you know, cup of coffee at your diner or at your the coffee shop, in quotes? Right. Um, when did you start seeing more of that stuff come out? And what was, what was your well, thought when it did? I, I remember... When we went to Europe when you were just a little boy, and I wanted just a cup of coffee. Like, I just wanted, you know, that brewed brewed coffee. That's all I wanted. And in Europe, you couldn't get a brewed cup of coffee. You had to have, well, do you want it white or do you want it? And I'd be like, white? What the heck are you talking about? (laughs) And it was more like a latte, you know, or a cappuccino. Probably more like a cappuccino. Sure. They were smaller, and that's the first time... That I even, you know, heard anything like what we have now, and then, um, but now, that, that was, of course, in Europe. So that even I was wasn't say that even be here. About twenty years ago or so, and that was yeah. about twenty years ago. Yeah. And then, um, oh boy, 
Starbucks. You know, it took a while for Starbucks to get to Boise, but I remember hearing about them and stopping in our travels, mm-hmm. you know. Like road trips, that I kind of stuff. I can't really. Yeah. When do you think it was? I think it was during the road trips because we maintain, as you know, our family roots in Southern California. And yeah. The distance from Boise, Idaho to Southern Cal is a solid 16, yeah. 17 hours. And we would travel and all of a sudden we'd be in a Salt Lake or well, not necessarily Salt Lake, yeah. but, uh, <laughs> you know, in other cities that that actively pursued the acquisition of coffee shops. Surprisingly, yeah. they do have a couple of really good coffee roasters in Salt Lake, so I don't want to sell them too short, but <laughs> there's certainly no sad. I'm, I'm talking about, the, I'm talking about the, in the, in the early, early days. Yeah, early yeah. days. Yeah. I think, but, I, I just remember us stumbling on little mom and pop places. Yeah, but, you know? you know, here in Boise, I mean, it was certainly before you were in high school. Yeah. And so that's been... How many years ago? A few. Seven. About, yeah, six and or seven. And then another four, 11. I, I, you know, I would say maybe it's been 15 years yeah. since the first. You know, I remember it was Moxie Java and Starbucks here for a long time, mm-hmm. and that was just all you could get. Yeah. And then, and, and Moxie Java, I mean, they, for a long time, it was just them. And sure. they had a real market here. Yeah, a nice and local people, it franchise. It was a local yeah. franchise, and people really liked them. Do, do you know and then what, Starbucks I I, came in. I don't I think, think I ever told you guys that I thought Starbucks was a local franchise. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I wasn't a coffee drinker. Sure. And the way I found out that it was something bigger than what I had expected was we were watching The Simpsons. Oh, no. and, and, and in that particular episode, uh, the mall that had been dying slowly suddenly revived in Springville or wherever it is Springfield Springfield and as Bart and Homer walked through it they found a Starbucks <laughs> and and the and peak I, of culture yeah the peak yeah. of culture and I remember going <laughs> wow and then they went to the next door and it was a Starbucks <laughs> the entire <laughs> mall was filled with that's Starbucks funny. and that's when I realized mm, this is something national yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. um and that was the joke, of course, Starbucks yeah, on right, every corner. You right, know, yeah. Starbucks, which almost is true here in Boise now. But, um, yeah, Moxie Java was... And remember, it was like, who's better, Starbucks or Moxie? Yeah. There was a big... There's a rivalry sort yeah, of there. And, and then when you worked for the coffee shop, um, you know, that... Then, remember, in high school, everybody was, like, talking about, was that better than Moxie? Yeah. Or... Yeah, they'd ask, you know, okay, so what do you think it's better coffee than I could get at like Dutch Bros or Moxie or yeah. what? Well, and I funny. remember the first time I had Dutch Bros was actually when we went to our friend's house in um it was Steve. Mm-hmm. We were in um, in it was for his or- wedding. Oregon. Yeah, and for those that don't know, Dutch Bros is a is a uh, Oregon based coffee chain that's now expanded into Idaho and uh, Northern California yeah. and all over the place. Great. Washington. Yeah. It's a yeah. great franchise. So they it? were the yeah. first ones. Pacific Northwest. I remember driving through and going, hmm, I wonder what this place is like. Dutch Bros. And there's that funny little logo of this. Windmill. Do you know what Yeah, I th- windmill and the, yeah. and the man. Who, uh, well, he's not I, there, I, rem- I remember. And they do the tulips. The tulips. And, yeah, and the tulips. Yeah. I was like, well, what is this? Again, as a non-coffee guy, you know, as the Canadian at the American election. Yeah. <laughs> I remember pulling up and expecting at that particular Dutch Bros first 
uh, you know, meeting of some girl with like a Dutch hat on, <laughs> and you know, she's yeah. Would you like to have some coffee? You know, and and it's, it's like the really cool guy. Hey, dude, what's going on? Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, where's your wooden shoes? Well, yeah, I don't hear the clink, clink, clink. You know, and I just thought, well, this is very unique. Yeah, I loved it. Yeah, and I actually have no idea where the where they got the name. For, I, I'm assuming it's probably brothers who have yeah. Dutch descent. I don't know for sure, yeah, but maybe. that's probably that's got to be the where Klinkerhoff brothers. They're, yeah, they're, they're, little, they're a little man logo. You know what I'm talking oh, yeah. about? Dutch he boy. Looks, well, he looks like a spy. Like a spy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. they've got they've got, got a couple aura. different. They've got yeah, they've got a couple different. They do a lot of T-shirts and stuff for their yeah. staff to wear around that way. It looks like wow, everybody's got a Dutch Bros T-shirt on, but it's all their staff yeah. 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 in the shirt. But I love, I love their vibe. Yeah. Uh, yeah, to me, that's part of as a non-coffee drinker, the thing that I love going into coffee shops or places because it's the vibe. The coffee shop that you love in your hometown, oh, as mm-hmm. you're growing up, what was? Uh, uh, it's Queen Bean. Yeah, I was going to ask you. So, yeah. what? When did Queen Bean start to because it it, it there with Dairy Queen. And it well, had its own... It's not with Dairy Queen. Um, the person who owned the particular franchise of Dairy, Dairy Queen, Queen in my town right. opened up this shop right next to Dairy Queen okay. called The Queen Bean. And when was that? That was right at the end of high school for me, so 2011. So it's okay. not very old. We had another coffee shop in town. Um, but I remember my mom talking about espresso drinks, and espresso drinks were like uniquely an Italian coffee shop. Beverage. It wasn't yeah. your average coffee shop beverage. And then it came to a different little coffee shop called the White Rabbit. And she's mm-hmm. like, oh, they don't do it well. <laughs> so, <laughs> what a snob. So I have another thing to add. I don't know if you know this, but Colin, but um, Larry, my brother, in the 80s, in the 80s when yeah. coffee started doing Flavors, so you could buy coffee flavor, you know, flavor flavored beans, yeah, flavored beans. And Larry and Julie opened up a coffee shop with, I don't know, a hundred different flavors. I of did beans. not know. Way beyond they were time. way before their time. That's amazing. And and they, it, you know, they sold the beans, but they also made coffee. But it was drip coffee, sure. and you could get any flavor you wanted. And for a really long time in yeah. the '80s, that was kind of the new thing. Like cutting edge, was, yeah, yeah. Cutting edge thing was these, these flavored coffee beans. Now I don't care for those flavors anymore at all. Yeah, the vanilla some beans. People, right, whatever, I don't yeah. like it at all. But some people still really do, and mm-hmm. I think it's kind of a throwback from that '80s mm-hmm. um, thing when mm-hmm. you know there were so many. Yeah. Places that had that, My or you could buy nice stores. Well, and a lot of times, what places will do is they'll um, because just like anything else, there's cheap cheap farms to get coffee from, and more expensive farms. And so, what a lot of times they'll do is they'll buy the the cheapest green beans that they can they can get, um, or maybe not the cheapest they can get, but they'll buy them you know more affordable ones, and then they'll when they roast them, they'll introduce the flavoring. That way, it's you can get you know you can get 10 different flavors from the same beans basically you don't have to roast you don't have to find 10 different farms um, oh, interesting yeah Colin may I ask you a question yeah how did how did you make the decision to start informing people through podcasts and through your blog about um, coffee to educate them and what motivates you to keep doing these things because <laughs> it's fascinating to me such an official question um, 
But I mean, seriously, as your dad, I, I don't think I've ever actually asked you that. Well, I don't know if you remember this, but what happened was, what I was like 16, I think, when I started working at the coffee shop um, at Oasis, and um, which was just a one-off, you know, local thing. Um, I think he had actually, I think my boss had actually owned a Dutch Bros or had been a manager at a Dutch Bros or something and kind of looked at it and was like, oh, I could do this and mm-hmm. started his own thing. Um, which was fun right down the street from our house. And, um, I was looking for a job at the time and I remember, um, really wanting to work there. And dad, you went and talked to the managers and said, Hey, you know, by the way, my son is looking for a job. So if you guys, and I think at the time they weren't looking for anyone, but Mm -hmm. like the next year we went to their open house. Yeah, that's right. Yep. Mm -hmm. And then I think it was like a year later that, uh, Either they, they got in contact with you or one of us was driving through and they had an opening. So I applied and um, that's a whole other story. But I got the job and started working there. And so I was trying to figure out like, okay, how can I bring in more business? Because he was very – it was very relaxed atmosphere. I was working by myself in the stand. So it was like you can do – know, whatever you want, just, uh, just make good coffee, make, make coffee, make the, the, these drinks. Well, memorize the menu, make these drinks. Well, so I was sitting there kind of bored, um, because we were right by the high school by, by capital. So business was really sporadic. It was like, you know, mornings and then lunchtime when, when, whenever the high school kids were off, that's when it would be busy. But in between there was a lot of downtime. So I remember just trying to figure out, uh, you know, what what's something I could do to bring in more business? What are some, we'd have a daily deal of course and, and whatever else, but how, what are some ways that I can, you know, introduce people that would never drive down this particular road to this coffee shop, especially you're saying mom and Boise where there's now a bunch of different, um, options, a bunch of different coffee shops. So my answer to that was, well, I'll start a Facebook page and I'll start a Twitter thing. You know, I'll tweet out the uh, the deal of the day. And on Facebook, I'll try to get people to like the page and, and then, uh, I'll make a flyer, you know, and hand it out at the high school, go and and put it up at the high school. That way kids will know, okay, you know, they're today it's a dollar for, you know, a latte or whatever. And so I was doing that, doing that. And as I was, as I was doing it, and, and at that time I was also sort of experimenting more with the coffee. Um, I started to think maybe, uh, you know, maybe I can, maybe there's more to this. Maybe I could, there's only so much to write about at one Mm -hmm. coffee shop. So I remember thinking, okay, maybe I'll start a a blog as a part of this coffee shop. And, and so I was like, well, I could do that, but I'm going to run out of things to write about really quickly. You know, you can only write about the drinks that you're making so much. And, and I was pretty new to, to writing online. So, um, so I was like, well, so I came to you actually, Dad, and I asked you, well, what do you think, what should I do? Um, or is this a good idea or, or is there a way I can make it better? And you actually um, gave me the idea to just do a blog about coffee in Boise in general, not just about this coffee shop, but like, hey, if you actually like this, why don't you just write about coffee, mm-hmm. period? And um, so that's what I did. So I started the blog and, um, on WordPress and just started. And I actually, it's funny. I have this distinct memory of, of being like, but I don't know that. I don't know anything about coffee. I know about my, this coffee shop, but even then I don't know about the beans. I just know about the drinks and the flavorings and all that stuff and how to make 
espresso and whatever. Um, but I don't know anything about coffee, broad, broad term, you know, I don't know anything about this coffee shop downtown or this coffee shop. I just know about mine. And so you were just like, well, you better make it up. <laughs> like fake it till you make it kind of thing. Um, and so I kind of did a little bit of, of both. I did, I kind of used my knowledge base, um, yeah. to say, okay, this is how I do it. And this is the coffee that I like. Now is this coffee shop making the coffee that I like? Yes. Um, and then I just write reviews and, uh, most of them were positive reviews. There were a couple negative and I got some flack for, for those, but it was a long time ago. Um, so yeah, that's, that's how I started. And then I just, I don't know, the more it's, it's like anything, it's like any hobby. The more you find out about it, the more you realize there is to learn about it. Well, I remember just how, how much education you immersed yourself in. Mm-hmm. And then when you went away to West Point as a cadet and you kept writing, and then I, I remember visits that you and I went to in, uh, in New York City mm-hmm. and you would write. Yeah, that was it. Was yeah, that was my phenomenal. freshman year. We, that's right. We we no, that was that was before I went to West Point. We were visiting. We yeah, were visiting. You're right. That's right. And uh, and we were there with your with with your buddy, and we uh, yeah. we walked around and found a couple of coffee shops. And yeah, well, that's do, right. do you remember the place we found was like the point of origin for for cappuccinos at least. That's what they for, said. For the it was like the original States. cappuccino. It's like or 1870s but or something. I don't know about that because it's like an elf, you know, where he's, yeah. he's walking down the road and congratulations, world best cup of coffee. It's like a neon sign outside. Or yeah. Yeah. But, but it did give you that opportunity to help educate other people. Like, no. Yeah. Yeah. And try new things in different cities. Yeah. And that, that was kind of fun. That broadened the scope even further. True. True. So, Hannah, what do you, what's it like um, living with a coffee snob? <laughs> there you go. Most of the time it's really nice because he makes me good cups of coffee. <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes it's a little bit obnoxious. Yeah. Like this morning, he found some ground coffee left in the grinder and he looks at me with this snooty face. Like, <laughs> I can't believe there's coffee left in the grinder. Yeah, I might have done that. <laughs> might have done that. Yeah, because yeah, I'm not a coffee snob. <laughs> I kept wondering what the whole discussion was about because I'm just You're like, an idiot. <laughs> but then it's really fun because then he teaches me how to make coffee really well. And, yeah. and I feel like... I'm becoming one too. I don't know. <laughs> I, tr- I mean, I, I try not to be a too big of a snob about. It. I think like there's there are there's limits, you know, I, that I try to stay within. Like I think everybody should just drink what they like. Yeah. If you don't like it, then don't drink it. If you don't like black coffee, then don't drink back black coffee. Now I'll say that maybe consider stretch. You know, try one every once in a while. Stretch. Be try to be stretch. Stretch yourself. But I don't. I mean, if you don't like it, then you don't like it. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But but you tend to like the coffee. Yeah. Yeah. You, <laughs> More often than not. Yeah. He makes a and, good cup of coffee. And you have so many different ways of making it. We yeah. have a whole corner of our of our kitchen counter filled with different coffee yes. makers. Yes. <laughs> and I'm As, slowly learning how to make each of them. So I actually have a question for you guys um, about this specific. So Chemex, it's been around since the 70s. And I didn't know that until I started. I it was earlier than that. It might have been, yeah, it might have it been was late like 60s. The 40s. Uh, was it really? Yeah. yeah. 
when we looked it up, it was like the 40s. I think you're right. Yeah, I think you're right. It's been around a really long time. I think I just think 70s because it sort of has that 70s feel to it, yeah, you know? Yeah. It's got the, the edge, the curviness, yeah. and the wooden thing. Yeah. But I think you're right. I think it was earlier than that. It was early. Um, but... Did you guys ever see, like you said, mom, that there were, that there were certainly cones, but specifically the Chemex. Do you have any memory of ever seeing that around? Oh. And you guys know what I'm talking about. The glass. Yeah. Well, that was kind of the first thing that was standardized, you know, Yeah. was that. Now I don't remember it being called that brand. Sure. You know, but. But it was the one that was there forever. Uh-huh. I just remember that. Did your parents yeah. have one of those? Yeah, and I, and I remember when people started talking about changing different coffee and everything. How can you improve on the wheel? Yeah, you know? for real. Yeah. It will always be this well, way. I think that that's kind of actually what I mean. Hannah and I have talked about this before, but how it's the you know record players and all of these very tangible things. It's like we're so we're in the digital age and everything's intangible. So anything that is left to hold on to that could be considered better than the digital alternative people are like flocking to now. Or in this case, the automatic alternative. Yeah. Yeah. Automatic alternative. So that's, that's what's funny to me. I remember when you came home the first time and told me, Oh mom, you've got to have a pour over. I'm thinking to myself, a pour over. What the heck's a pour over? And then he makes me a pour over and I'm like, Oh my gosh, this is just (laughs) coffee. Are you kidding me? This is what we gave up like <laughs> 20 years ago for an automatic drip because it would do it more evenly. evenly. Yeah. And he's now it's like the pour over, the new thing, the new cool that was. Have here. you guys seen these? It's a cassette tape. Look at them. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I just thought it was so funny. This and album, if you move it backwards, it says. Paul is dead. <laughs> what? So yeah, you're, so you're right. You know, things come and go, and you find out. You know, this is better than that. Although I will say that we can agree that neither one of us like the the automatic. Yeah, the K cup. Yeah, the Keurig. Yeah, the Keurig. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, remember when I realized that the the Chemex was so old. We were watching some sort of old movie or TV show, and it was right. in the TV show, and I was like, "Come." thing's been around forever yeah 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 Yeah, and it's actually it's a it's in the new york uh museum of art it's considered a like a national um that's so funny yeah art collection piece yeah it's kind of crazy wow but yeah that's that's so funny or something i don't know it really does but i think now more than i think now it's like Sure. Like I I was listening to a a podcast, a coffee podcast recently, and they were talking about how you can debate like, okay, is Chemex better than V60, which is the other, just the normal cone. Um, But at the end of the day, those are all sort of the same. The the cone that the filter goes into and then Mm -hmm. the coffee, like those, it's all more or less the same method. Mm -hmm. There's not a lot of like, you know, maybe a little bit of difference, but um, there, there might be difference in how easy it is to get a great cup, but like the limit of how good your coffee can get is the same on all of them because yeah. it's well, the same thing. And here's the biggest difference to me is the beans. That's what know? I was going to say. Yeah. I mean, exactly. we didn't, you didn't even think about buying beans. Yeah. You bought ground coffee. Ground coffee. Yeah. You know, and you found your favorite brand. Sure. You know, I had my favorite brand, but to 
grind your own beans, just unheard of. Yeah. You know, and going and finding different beans or even considering different flavors of beans. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm sure that, you know, the different cans of beans came, they came from different places and more, some were more expensive than others. And so there were some different beans, but not like there are now. And yeah. now, you know, you can even buy beans in the grocery store and, right. you know, there's how many different kinds and you can grind them there or you can take home whole beans. You just yeah. It used to be you never would take home whole beans before. Now it's like you have to almost ask to have them ground. You know yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's what I was going to say. I think that the biggest thing that's changed is is the the sort of localization, the globalized stuff, but kind of taken down to the yeah. local level where um, it's so much easier now to to reach out to farms in unheard country, you know, parts of the world, corners of the world and get a really good coffee than it ever. It's a lot easier now than it ever has been before. And then on the other side is the technology, the grinders, like you were saying, mom, uh, now you can buy a, a really good at home grinder for about a hundred bucks, you know, 120 bucks. Like that'll get you something that'll last you for a long time. Um, well, and, and those two are things, roasting their own now too. They're right. roasting their own beans yeah, now. No, people are. And, and those two things, the, the good coffee, the quality coffee and fresh coffee and the good grinder, those are the, two most important aspects to making a good cup of coffee. So I don't think that it's any coincidence that because those are better now, we have a a lot better variety, a lot better coffee available to us. Mm -hmm. What were you going to say, Dad? Um, I'm, I'm struck by the fact that, uh, you know, as a, as a business coach, I have the honor of coaching different companies that are both global as well as even local. Mm -hmm. And one of my clients is out of the, the Bay area and he's in the process of working with a number of coffee bean growers in Central America, mm-hmm. uh, specifically for social conscience, uh, to enhance the lives of the growers, sure. the workers. It's a remarkable blend of the culture that we would understand to be at a coffee shop, mm-hmm. only at the uh, you know the plantation or at uh, or, or the farm, at yeah. the farm, you know. And, and it has been really encouraging to me to be able to see that sensitivity about embracing the workers, bring them in, having them be a part of it, create a great product, mm-hmm. ship it to America, have the American um, uh, group of people who are uh, fans of coffee. who look, Roasters. Yeah, that, that they could say, I want to buy into this. Sure. And to me, that's the community uh, that I appreciate and that I want to be a part of, even as someone who drinks hot chocolate. Yeah. I appreciate what my client is doing and what his uh, business partners are doing. That to me is remarkable. Yeah. It's, it's kind of crazy how the, the poorest countries in the world are the ones that are some of the most poor countries in the world are the ones producing the most coffee yeah. that we drink every day. You know, it's, it's not the, you know, the U S can't grow coffee except for in Hawaii. Uh, Europe, you know, they can't grow coffee there except for in greenhouses. Um, And it's, I think that that almost gives, you know, a responsibility to the uh, first world countries and people living in first world countries to um, really take that into consideration and buy, be willing to spend a little bit extra to support those companies like your friends who, um, who go the extra mile or maybe even just the extra inch to help yeah. the farmers out. Yeah. Um, because a lot of times, like I was watching a documentary that I think 
I don't want to get it wrong, but I think either Stumptown or Intelligentsia. It was one of the big third wave coffee companies put out and how they had a, a sorcerer, which is just a guy who goes and meets the farmers, sources mm-hmm. the coffee and, and develops a relationship. Um, and they actually uh, would buy the coffee and then grind it and make their, the kind of coffee they would make in their coffee shop right there on the farm. And in this documentary, as they're filming, it's the first time these farmers who have been working there that, you know, almost their entire lives have tasted their own beans. Oh, my heavens. Interesting. Yeah. And so they're, they're like, oh, wow, this is really good. <laughs> you know, like they, they had no idea that, that that's where, you know, we see it from our end. We don't know where the coffee comes from, but on their end, they don't see where it goes. Yeah. yeah so it's pretty. Yeah. So anyways, I think that that's a good, that's a good point to bring up though. So any final parting thoughts from anybody around the room? Coffee is great. <laughs> and tastefully. Yes. <laughs> okay. Well, I, I would only add it's great to be in a coffee environment. Yeah. It really is. And, I mean, even being invited into the, the podcast today, uh, uh, what an honor because, we, you know, it's our hope that we encourage people those who both drink and enjoy coffee and those who uh, drink and enjoy the experience of being around yep. coffee. Yeah, and like you said, that, even, if, yeah, even if you coffee isn't your, your go-to, I think that there's a lot of aspects that you can appreciate. Right. And I think Dad, Dennis drink, uh, spends more time in coffee shops than I do because he has lots of appointments. Yeah, yeah meeting people. I and, and, I, and I've really appreciated the the culture and and you know as you have traveled the world as a couple and as we have traveled the world as a couple and are preparing to leave again i can't wait to visit some of those places i can't wait to see susan you know drinking away at her cappuccinos and you know i might even taste a little bit of hot chocolate here and there you know that's something i've noticed mom you're drinking more cappuccinos you like that frothiness a little bit more Mm -hmm. than the just less milk yeah just trying to get it do the less milk okay okay that's why that makes sense. Okay. Okay. Well, then we're going to wrap up. Thank you so much for listening to the Boise Coffee Podcast. Again, I'm your host, Colin Mansfield. You can follow me on Twitter, at Boise Coffee. Um, I'm also on Tumblr. You can go to my blog, boisecoffee.org, if you want to listen to more episodes. Please subscribe on iTunes if you haven't already, and feel free to leave me a review. Um, let me know what you like. Let me know what you don't, and that will help me make the podcast better. Um, additionally, today you heard from my beautiful wife, Hannah, as well as my parents, Dennis and Susan. If you want to get in touch with my dad, Dennis Mansfield, you can follow him on Twitter as well, at Dennis Mansfield. Um, and you can check out all of his books. He is an author, and he has several books for sale on his website, DennisMansfield.com, um, and on his publisher's website, which is currently SofaPress.org. Now, I want to do one more thing before we wrap up completely. I posed a question on this new social networking app I'm using. It's an audio-based social network called Anchor. And I posed a question on there, which was, do you have a story about coffee that you'd like to share? And how it works on there is on Anchor, you can post, they call it a wave that's two minutes long, and then you get responses that are a minute long each. And people record them on their phone and then submit them to you, just like on Twitter or anything else. So I posed that question on there, and I got a bunch of responses from people, but I'd like to play three from Eric, Brandon, and Seth. Thank you so much, guys, for responding, and here we go. I remember coffee smelling really good at my parents, with my parents, but my first real experience with coffee was sitting at a big table at a coffee shop or a restaurant, 
and uh, in junior high, and then I decided to order my coffee black. And I was the only one at the table in junior high who ordered coffee. And I thought I was the shh, the stuff. And, uh, and I've, I wanted it black because I didn't want any foo-foo creamer in it or anything like that. And I've been drinking it black ever since. Um, and I love it. It's been, uh, coffee is part of my lifestyle right now. My first coffee experience was horrendous. Uh, I just remember at some point recognizing the fact that two cream-colored mugs would land on the table at the diner, and uh, my mom and whatever friend she had with her would pick a pink packet out of the little holder and dump some sort of powder in it and stir it a few times, add some more powder, add some more sugar, put some milk in it, and, you know, so... For the rest of my life, I've called that diner coffee. It has nothing to do with actual, uh, you know, craft coffee or coffee with any sort of substance. So there's there's two coffees in my life. One I recognize as being true black coffee, um, you know, roasted properly, brewed properly, and then there's diner coffee. And uh, so that's my first experience. As a consumer of massive amounts of coffee. I thoroughly enjoy uh, getting to as many specialty coffee shops as possible when I, when, you know, whenever I'm out traveling around the country. And there are a few things that can, um, in my opinion, either make or break the coffee experience. One is, of course, the, the taste of the coffee. Second is the barista's training, or more often, lack thereof. And three, the environment of the place. So. I think it's super important like, to, to focus on all three of those. If, if any one of those is off, it can throw off the, the entire coffee experience. And, and a quick example of that is uh, a coffee shop in Pennsylvania that I absolutely loved, um, had the best coffee I've ever had. As soon as one of their baristas left, my loyalty to that coffee shop was broken. Thank you so much again for listening and have a great rest of your week.